God's kingdom, things of the spirit, love and joy and peace. All if you invest there, you're going to reap a harvest of it. But like I said, either way, you're making the investment every single day of your life. No matter if you're right here right now, you're following Jesus or you're not following Jesus. Every single day of your life, you are making an investment. That's why I said that Jesus is greater than apathy. Because if either way you are planting and you're going to reap a harvest, we better grab hold of that what we're sowing. Do good to all. That's the message that Pastor Daniel brings today. But that's easier said than done. And Jesus understands that. That's why we're reminded in the word that there is a specific time for reaping. We may feel like we're doing good even when we don't feel like it, even when we're uncomfortable, but lose heart because we don't see fruit immediately. As we're reminded today, God's timing is not ours, but his promises are steadfast. Now, here's Pastor Daniel with part three of his message entitled, Jesus is Greater Than Apathy. Take care of your own business. You shouldn't be the person who is perpetually in need of someone to bear your burdens because someone bears your burdens until you get mature and then you become a burden bearer for somebody else. And that's what he's saying here. He's saying, listen, you need to take care of your own business. Yes, you work, walk through the hospital. It's like the ICU, right? If you're really sick and you end up in the ICU, you're grateful it's there. But does anybody want to live in the ICU? No. After you're done with the ICU, you want to get into a normal room because you know that ICU is for one thing, the normal room is for another thing, but most people, they just want to get out and go home, right? Spiritually, it's the same thing. If you're in the ICU, you need all the help you can get. When you're in a normal patient's room, you need all the help that you need. And when you're out on your own, you want to take care of your own stuff. And we need to see that maturity arc in all of our lives. And the key for us is to know, when do I need help? And now, when am I better and I can start helping other people? We go from being a patient to being a nurse and a doctor spiritually. And that is the arc that needs to happen in all of our lives. And so it's a beautiful balance to know when we need someone to bear our burdens and to know when it's time for me to deal with my own stuff and take care of my own business and grow up and bear my own load because I'm allowing the Spirit of God to self-examine my heart. Now, as we move to verse 6, we start moving from the It's still interpersonal, but it deals with finances. Because look what it says. Let him who is taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the spirit will of the spirit reap everlasting life. And so we get this verse in here where the Apostle Paul says, listen, those who are taught the word, you should share in all good things with those who teaches. Now, of course, for me as a pastor, I hate verses, teaching verses like this, because it is inherently self-serving of me to do it. I just want to thank all of you for sharing all of your desserts and all of your special meals, because I'm grateful, but you guys see that I grow 
in numerous ways when you guys do it, because you guys know I like food, and it's amazing how someone comes, hey, I made this great red velvet cake with the extra creamy frosting, and bring it home to your family. Now, you got to know, I never bring it home to my family. Because I love them too much to want to, them to eat all that sugar. So I just take it myself. No, just but the idea is that interpersonally, it's not about I give and they take. It's about sharing within the body of Christ. That's what this is really. It's all about sharing. And Paul uses the example of the preacher or the teacher with the congregation as an example that within the family, you share. We're always learning how to share. And, and in a lot of ways, what we're doing as a church family, we're always finding a way, how can we share with our community and our world? How can we share within the body of Christ when there's needs? How can we meet needs? And how can we share? And it's a beautiful thing to watch. I get to see it from a unique vantage point here. All the big ways and the little ways that I watch people in the Crossroads family share with people in the Crossroads family. All these beautiful things, like, oh, you find out someone needs a car, and all of a sudden they have a car. How'd you get a car? The Lord gave it to me. I don't even know whose it was. It just landed at my doorstep. I love, like, that's the way families are, where we share with one another, and we help one another, and we join one another. Because as a family, we all know that sharing is important. But you realize that when you are a sharer, that there's a cost to that. That blessing other people, that means that those resources will not be used to bless yourself. And so when you move from interpersonal relationships to finances, we get this principle, do not be deceived, verse 7, God is not mocked. Now, I don't know about you guys, that's a pretty serious statement. It says, don't be deceived. Don't pull the wool over your own eyes. Don't pretend that this isn't real because God is not mocked. Now, mocking is making fun of God. Now, I don't know about you. I don't want to make fun of God at all because God is God, and in him I live and move and have my being, and it makes no sense to bite the hand that feeds you, so to speak. So when it says, do not be deceived, God is not mocked, that is like a biblical way of saying, listen, this is some serious business, and make sure you get it right. And we learn here the principle of sowing and reaping. For what a, whatever a man sows, verse 7, that he will also reap. For if he sows to the flesh, will of the flesh, he'll reap corruption. But if he who sows to the spirit, will of the spirit reap everlasting life. And so I want to encourage you to sow and reap life. Sow and reap life. Now, sowing and reaping, that's an agricultural term. And so, and some of you guys have farms here, and so you use that kind of language. For the rest of us, the idea of investing is probably a more contemporary concept for the most people. What you invest in is what you'll also get. The idea is if a farmer goes on out and sows wheat into his field, he's going to get a harvest of wheat. And if he sows just a little wheat, he's going to get a little harvest. And if he sows a big a lot of sowing of wheat, he's going to get a larger harvest. And the idea is whatever you put in is what you're going to get out. And now we come back to that idea of the spirit and the flesh. And if you sow to the flesh, of the flesh, you're going to reap corruption. And if you sow to the spirit, of the spirit, you're going to reap everlasting life. And my friends, this is a principle that we need to make sure we get. Because guess what? No matter if you're apathetic or active, if you're intentional or unintentional, you are sowing every single day. 
And the question is, is whatever you put in is what you're going to get out. Now, how many of you saw that movie that came out a number of years ago called Supersize Me? Okay, so some of you saw it. You know why I'm going to use it as an example. Those of you who haven't seen it, I'm going to tell you about the movie, and it's going to be a spoiler alert. So if you don't want to hear about the movie, just cover your ears. I'll let you know when I'm done. Okay, go if you want to. So in this movie, you ready? Cover those ears if you don't want to hear about it. I don't want to ruin your Netflix experience. But in this movie, this guy who is, you know, he's making a documentary about what happens to your body if you eat McDonald's for every single meal for 30 days. And he had all these rules. Every single meal, all he was allowed to eat was McDonald's. He had to eat everything that was on his tray. Anytime they asked him if he wanted it supersized, he always had to say yes. And every single, by the end of the 30 days, he has to eat everything on the menu. Now, in the beginning, he goes to the doctor. He gets weighed to get all these tests done. And you can imagine what happens for this guy as he goes on a fast food only diet. And, and I mean, McDonald's was the one on trial there, but you could pretty much put any fast food place in there and you get the same result. And sure enough, by the time two weeks hits in, he goes to the doctor and his liver's failing. He's gained 15 pounds in two weeks. He went from being a, a kind of a slender, muscular guy. He's already starting to balloon out. And the doctor's like, look, if you keep going, you might not make it. He went, his face is breaking out. He went from being a decently happy person to being a pretty melancholy person. And what's amazing about this story is what it teaches you. If you put garbage in, you're going to get garbage out. That's, that's what you learn. Whatever you put in, you get out. And if you put in, if you sow into your life the work of the flesh, anger and bitterness and gossip and complaining, then that's what you're going to get. And you're going to produce that in other people's lives. If you put in rebellion against God into your life, that's what you're going to get out. But... If you sow to the Spirit, if you invest in the things of God's kingdom, then that's the harvest that you're going to reap. And you got to ask yourself, what are you investing in right now? This is, we talked about being humble and self-examination. Now it's like, are you making a big deposit in the things of the flesh? And if you are, don't be surprised when of the flesh you're going to reap corruption. And corruption, my friends, is never good. You're going to get out what you put in. And that's why I said that we need to sow and reap what? Life. Because that's the option. You have two different things you can sow, and you can either sow into the flesh or you can sow into the spirit. If you sow into the flesh, your fruit, your harvest is corruption. Or if you sow into the spirit, you're going to, of the spirit, reap everlasting life. Now listen, everlasting life does not mean an eternal life with God. It includes that, but Jesus said, this is eternal life that you may know God and Jesus Christ whom he sent. See, everlasting life is the life God created you for now and in the hereafter. Not just later, it's about now. It's about you saying, I am not enjoying sowing to the flesh and of the flesh reaping corruption, because when corruption happens, corruption is brokenness. It's hurtful, and I'm ruining everything. So I'm going to trade that style of life in to say, God, I want to invest in the things of the Spirit. And of the Spirit, I'm going to reap a harvest of everlasting life now and later. So you got to ask yourself, where is your treasure? What are you investing in? I've heard it said this way. You can tell 
almost everything about a person by looking at their calendar and their checkbook or their banking register on the online thing. Where you put your money and your time. What's your investment? And listen, it's not a scare tactic because whatever it is that you invest, guess what? You're going to get that out the other end. And if you put in garbage, if you put in worldliness, if you put in rebellion against God, then you're going to reap that in spades. But if you invest in the things of God's kingdom, things of the spirit, love and joy and peace, all, if you invest there, you're going to reap a harvest of it. But like I said, either way, you're making the investment. Every single day of your life, no matter if you're right here right now, you're following Jesus or you're not following Jesus, every single day of your life, you are making an investment. That's why I said that Jesus is greater than apathy because if either way you are planting and you're going to reap a harvest, we better grab hold of that, what we're sowing. We better say, I realize what I'm putting in and I realize what the outgrowth is. So just like the guy on the supersize me, and if you're still holding your ears, you can take them off now. Sorry. I forgot. I got preachy. Sorry. You got to ask yourself what you're sowing. Because whatever it is that you put in, you're going to get that out. And if you don't want corruption in your life, if you don't want rebellion against God, if you don't want brokenness, then you got to stop sowing it in. Because you're doing it. And if you're saying, God, I want everlasting life and I want eternal life, then you need to sow to the spirit. I think finances, when it, when it relates to our finances, people all the time say, oh, Pastor, you, you know, you talk about finances, you don't know what it's like. Listen, everybody in every generation's got finances. The only difference is, is you and I can put ourselves in mega amounts of debt because of the way American finances run. Money is an outlet of spiritual power, straight up. And when someone says to me, they say, oh, Pastor Daniel, you know, can't afford to tithe, man. I'm like, well, how many cable stations you got? Oh, 387. Okay. I guess you can't afford. Oh, nice iPhone 6. Nice. Oh, look at those $400. Yeah, you can't aff- obviously you can't afford it. No, actually, I really don't say that. I want to say that. But I just said it, so now you know it's in my heart. It's not a question of if you can, it's a question of your desires. And if you can afford to drive a car and live in a house, yeah, you can afford it, but you're choosing to say, it's all about me. And you know what happens when you start to give as unto the Lord? All of a sudden you realize you get more joy in not consuming it on yourself than you do in in giving it to other people. You get more joy in saying, God, as I bless somebody with this money, it's so much more enjoyable than me getting all the things that I want. But you never experience it until you take that step of faith and say, God, I want you to rejoice in the way that I use my money. And the needs are extraordinary when it comes to the needs in the world and the things that we can invest in. Wherever your treasure is, Jesus said what? There your heart will be also. You can tell where your treasure is by where you spend your most energy and where you spend your most money. If you were to go to your your bank register right now and break it down into categories. What's your top five? If you go to look at your calendar, where you spend the most of your time, what's your top five? Because whatever you sow, that's what you're going to reap. And the biggest struggle we have, I think, in Christianity in this generation is that our world is so invasive at this point. It's so easy just to sow into the things of the world. Americanized culture a culture of security and ease, and you can have it your way. 
That permeates your Christian life. And listen, nowhere in the Bible does Jesus say you can have it your way. Because you know what? That means that you're the Lord, that you get to determine. See, the Christian faith says, no, you can't have it your way. You're going to agree with my way. And not me, Fusco's way, the Lord's way. And that runs roughshod over a culture that says, listen, it's all about you. You get the carpet the way you want it. You get your house the way you want it. You get your coffee the way you want it. You get your meat exactly the way you want it. Or you choose, I don't want meat because I can have the choice not to eat that stuff. And so I want to make sure I have this veggie burger with this type of non-GMO, soy-licious mayo, whatever. And then you bring it into your spiritual life. You're like, why am I getting all the things that I want? Because it's not about everything we want. It's about Jesus. But our, our culture is invasive. And we bring it into the church. Well, if you don't do what I want, I am going to go start my own church. But that's not the church. That's not the ways of God. But we struggle. And listen, you guys know I'm not preaching. I'm living this too. I'm living this reality with you walking on this path with you, trying to say, where am I so into the flesh? Where am I so into the spirit? Where are things? Where is my treasure? How is it working? How do I need to change? God, what are you doing in my life? And nobody's immune to it. We're all just trying to find our way down that path. Now, look at how this section closes. It says here in verse 9, and let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Brothers and sisters, we need to keep doing good. That's what these verses say. We need to keep doing good. Because we've been seeing how you should care for someone who stumbled, how we should take care of our own business, how we need to invest in the things of God's kingdom and not just the lusts of the flesh. And then it says, and let us not grow weary in doing good. Why? Because the Apostle Paul knows that when you get on the Calvary Road, the entering by the narrow gate of Jesus, it's a difficult way. Very few people find it, and it leads to life. You start traveling down that road, and after a little while, you say, this is stinking really hard. And everybody looks like they're having fun over on the, the wide way and the, and the wide gate and the easy way, and it leads to destruction, but they're having fun, and I'm trying to help people, and people are not responding the way I want them to, and I just don't understand what's happening. And before you know it, we start being like, oh, man, this is hard. And then Paul says, but listen, don't be weary in doing good. He said, listen, yes, it can be tiring, and it's not the immediate gratification that we want, but what you're doing is doing good, and so don't be weary in doing good. Instead, what? Notice what it says. For in due season, we shall reap if we do not lose heart. That word due season, in the Greek, it's the word kairos. It means that particular appointed time, that there is a very specific time for the reaping to happen. See, here's the thing. We live in immediate gratification world, right? You just put it in, you get a fast food, fast internet, fat, you know, it's like, I can't wait for a matter transporter, you know what I mean? You step into the thing, they press the button, I end up in Bora Bora, you know? I mean, it's amazing, like, you go on an airplane and you're like, oh, I don't like it, and like, there's no internet on this, and this thing is, come on, like, you know, and, and it's like, yeah, if you would have taken a horse-covered wagon, it would have taken you, like, 19 years to get there, and you're mad that it took you there eight years, and you had to sit on the tarmac for 30 minutes, 
You know, it's like if we put it in context, you realize that, man, we're so blessed. But the reality is, is that God's fruitfulness happens at an appointed time. And the key for us is to not quit before that appointed time, to not throw in the towel before the appointed time. For at the proper time, in due season, you will reap if you do not lose heart. And then it says, and I love this, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. It says, don't lose heart. As you have opportunity, do good to who? To who? What does it say? To who? To all. What does all mean? All. You get a smiley face in second grade. That's basic reading comprehension right there. Do good to all. And then it says, and especially those who are in your family, your family of faith, the household of faith. Now, I love, you know when the opportunity to do good is? Always. Every single moment, you and I have an opportunity to do good to all people we don't even know, we may never see. Keep doing good. Gra- seize the opportunity. See, it's an uncommon life we're called to as followers of Jesus. We have the Spirit, and the Spirit says, come on, I, come on, let's just do something amazing. You see someone, you see someone with a need, and God says, yeah, I want you just to go give them a sandwich and talk to them. Hey, I want, I want you, listen, man, you got, you, got, you got a whole bunch of food in your car. You got leftovers. You don't need the leftovers. Just give, say, hey, listen, I just came back from, I mean, we just had a, a thing here. Have this, and here, you know, is there any way I can pray for you? And is there anything that you need? Do good to all and keep doing good. Don't lose heart. Don't give up because you're not getting the response you want. You're doing it unto the Lord and people are getting the benefit because God has given you brand new life in Jesus and he's filled you with the Holy Spirit. And listen, do good to all, especially to those in your household of faith. I love that because we're called to love everybody, but we do love our families in a unique way, don't we? Like, I love, we have great neighbors where I live, a bunch of kids next door. I love those kids. They're so fun. But I love my kids a little differently, right? I look out for the kids next door, but I have a very unique responsibility to my kids. So as we're about doing good and keeping doing good, make sure you take those extra special opportunities to be there for your brothers and sisters in Christ. And that's the thing I love about the family of God. It's not, it's every tribe, nation, and tongue. People from all all different backgrounds. You look around this sanctuary, and there's people from all different places and countries and different educational attainments and, and, and career attainments. And everyone's coming at it from a different spot. But in Jesus, we become one family. It's such a cool thing that we can be made a family because of Jesus. And he says, listen, take care and do good for everyone and do it especially for your family. You see how practical the spirit-filled life is? How we treat someone who's broken, our own maturation and growing, how we handle our money, what we make investments in, and the fact that we are called not because we need these works to get saved, but because of Jesus, we simply respond to him by doing good to everybody, especially our family. Jesus is real. Where you put your money and time speaks volumes about where you're walking, in the flesh or in the spirit. 
Pastor Daniel warned about living in a world of immediate gratification. Waiting on God is part of the journey. His fruitfulness comes in his time. God is doing some amazing things with Jesus is Real Radio. It's our vision to see Jesus is Real Radio on more radio stations worldwide and to help change lives across the globe. You can help see this vision come to life by sending a gift of any amount to 7708 Northeast 78th Street, Vancouver, Washington, 98662. Again, to send a gift of any amount to Jesus is Real Radio, simply send your gift to 7708 Northeast 78th Street, Vancouver, Washington, 98662. Jesus is Real Radio is the radio ministry of Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. The messages that you hear each day here on Jesus is Real Radio were produced from messages that Pastor Daniel shared on Sunday mornings and the midweek study. It's our prayer that this teaching from God's Word blessed and encouraged you in your walk with Jesus Christ. Make sure to tune in again as Pastor Daniel will share about what it means to cut away the flesh and the difference between physical and spiritual circumcision. It was an issue for Christians in Paul's day and still is. There's more to come from Pastor Daniel's series entitled, Jesus is Greater Than Everything. Please glance at the clock right now and make plans to join us again for another edition of Jesus is Real Radio. 